Welcome back to this episode of the Live Revised Podcast. I am your host, Christy Browning, a motivational and inspirational speaker, author, and coach. And today in our episode, we're going to talk a little bit about chaos. I know some of you are feeling the pressure and the overwhelm and even maybe some of the anxiety that is kind of become the everyday norm in the situation we're in at the stay-at-home sanity that comes with the COVID pandemic. And while I chuckle, it's really nothing to joke about. We all are facing a host of emotions and circumstances as we weather the storm together. But that's exactly what this episode is about. How do we get through and how do we do that in a way that makes us feel stronger, makes us feel better and more secure as we move to the other side of all of this. Well, it may seem like that peace is sometimes hard to come by, depending on what your circumstances are, the things that you may be facing. Sometimes peace is very elusive. We know probably more often the feeling of anxiety, of stress, of overwhelm, of fear, of not knowing what's going to happen in the next moment or the next day. Although we are all right now as a nation facing this in the midst of the COVID pandemic, we know what this feeling's like outside of this crisis. Maybe you've experienced the loss of a loved one, a financial hardship, or loss of a job. Maybe you went through a divorce, or you've lost your home, or maybe there's just been some trying relationships that have really put your peace to the test. We've all gone through the storms of life, and unfortunately, we know there are more to come. Life really is just lived between each crisis. If you're not in the middle of a crisis right now, we know that one is coming. And if you just got out of one, you're catching your breath and trying hard to recalibrate and to prepare for the next one. The one thing that I have learned in all of this that we've been facing with the COVID crisis is that when this happens again, whether it's a illness or a financial disruption or some other chaotic drama that unfolds in my life, I want to be better prepared. I want to be better prepared financially. I want to be better prepared when it comes to basic necessities. You know, why are we having to all hoard toilet paper? That stuff never expires. Why don't we just have some, you know, extra on hand? I actually am a part of a church that really teaches this idea of self-reliance and storage of basic stuff, not to hoard it and to withhold it from other people, but just to be prepared for our own selves, but then maybe even be in a position where we can help others out in their need. And I think in the middle of a situation like this, that strives, that makes me want to strive to be better at those kinds of things. But when it comes down to it, what we really are looking for is a way to have peace, to have calm. We really are working our way back to the sense of serenity. And in the middle of a storm, we're just like hanging on waiting for the waters to smooth and the winds to stop blowing and the seas to become calm again. But sometimes those are things that are out of our control. We can't necessarily dictate when and how that's going to happen. We don't get to call the shots, especially in a global crisis like we're in right now. It's not up to us to determine when we can go back to work or our kids can go back to school. So much of it is out of our control. And I think that's the part that's most fearful because we're not the ones calling the shots and we're not the ones that get to dictate what happens in our lives. And the surrender of control sometimes is what makes us feel really uneasy. 
It's also the fear of the unknown, of not knowing what's coming. I was really reminded of this idea of peace in the middle of a storm. Happened to be in my kitchen the other day and there hanging in my kitchen is a big long piece of barn wood. And it's kind of one of these very poor attempts on my part to channel my inner Joanna Gaines and to create a super chic type of farmhouse feel in a house that is so not farmhouse. <laughs> and if you know me, you know my gift is not in decorating. But I saw this really cool piece of barn wood. It was at a um, like a vendor event and it was super cute. I thought it was the perfect piece to put in the spot in my kitchen. And it just so happens on the face of that piece of barn wood is the words, it is well. And that is from a hymn that I grew up singing as a kid and I'm sure you're familiar with it too. If you spent any time in a church or around your grandma, you've probably heard the song, It Is Well. And the whole song is about this concept of when life is chaotic and it's not always known, when it's ups and downs or you're catching life in the valley or on the mountaintop, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, always it is well with your soul because of our faith in a heavenly father and in Christ. And so I love that hymn. It's just one of those hymns that we always loved singing in church. I can remember hearing my grandmother singing it. Um, just one of those all time favorites, right? So it just seemed perfect to put that reminder in my kitchen. But it's been hanging there for a couple of years now. And it just so happened uh, the other day I was standing in the kitchen looking at it. And I noticed that the S and the is on the sign is upside down. This is a handmade item that someone took a stencil and painted these words on the barn wood. But I noticed for the first time that the S is upside down. Now the S is facing the right way, but if you look at a capital S, the top of the S is smaller and the bottom of the S is a little fatter, a little wider. And in this situation, it's reversed. And the heavier, fatter, wider part of the S is on top and the smaller part of the S is on bottom. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, yep, that got painted upside down. But how perfect is that? Because in the storms of life, don't we feel that sometimes we're knocked upside down, that we are upended and uprooted and spun on our heads and just, we aren't, we aren't certain of anything. We're left to the unknown. And I love that in this song, in these lyrics that are all about dealing with the uncertainties of life, I have an imperfect sign, an imperfect letter. I also really love that that message, particularly that message, is painted on an old piece of barn wood, an old piece of barn wood that is beat up, that's dinged up, that has nicks out of it, that is bruised with nail holes and old nails still in it. I mean, it's seen some life. It's been through some stuff. And it would have been a piece that we would have just normally chucked on the firewood pile or tossed out in the trash. But thank goodness, all things Joanna Gaines has allowed us to appreciate the things that are old and somewhat forgotten about. We now have new life in it. But I love that that piece of barn wood, as beat up as it is, it still carries the message that all is well, that it is well. And the middle of all that we're facing right now, isn't that the message 
we should hang on to. I love that that hangs in my kitchen. And I love it as a visual reminder, of not just what we're going through right now, but what we know life's going to bring to us in the future. And it's also a testament that we have made it through those storms in the past. And so our track record's pretty good that we'll make it through this one as well. But choosing to weather the storms in life is a whole lot different than actually doing them. And it's one thing to sing a great hymn and think of some warm and fuzzy lyrics to a song, or maybe for you it's a poem or a passage out of a book, or maybe it's even scripture. But it's another thing to actually put all of that into action. And so I want to give you some very practical and tactical ways to maybe help you reduce the stress, reduce the anxiety, and boost up your peace in the middle of your chaos. And so the first thing is to just stay calm. Now that sounds so simple yet so hard to do, right? I will tell you in just watching the news and listening to the reports on all that's happening with the COVID crisis, I worked myself up into a panic attack. Uh, I'm not one that normally gets on the bandwagon um, for something like this or gets into the political dissertations that happen and all the theories and all the conspiracies. It's just not normally the thing I gravitate towards. But it just so happened because it's everywhere right now, and it's in every news report that you seem to to turn on, you just can't get away from it. And this one particular morning, I kind of got sucked into what was just my local news, but in it, it made it feel so close to home, and I was really, really feeling anxious and even shed some tears because there was a lot of fear and worry there. But I had to make myself get up and stay calm and take some breaths. And in the moment where we're feeling pressure and we're feeling like the weight, it is easy to kind of take physically to take shallow breaths because we're, we're in panic mode, right? And our body kind of like constricts and we can feel that feeling of our body restricting itself and constricting in and on itself. And our minds can kind of like do the same thing. And we start to feel sort of this, uh, this sort of shrinking down and literally can feel the pressure, right, of all of that. But I know when I kind of push back, take a couple of deep breaths, it tells my body that I got it. It's in control. We're going to be okay. Don't freak out on me yet. We're going to be all right. We're going to make it through. There's actually a lot of physical evidence that states and shows that when you do some deep breathing, it reprograms the brain to not think frantically or like this flight and fright concept, but it thinks more calmly, more rationally. And isn't that what we need in the middle of a crisis? We don't need to go all crazy and start losing our sense and sensibility. We need to have some rational thoughts a clear mind and some real perspective. And so by staying calm, literally for me on that specific morning, it meant getting up off the sofa, turning off the TV, going out on my yoga mat and deep breathing, literally stretching my body and taking in some deep breaths to help my physical body relax and release some of that tension. 
Now, if you are into like yoga and meditation and rest and relaxation tips, you probably know all of this and you probably even have way more knowledge on the subject than I do and have all kinds of tips that you can offer on the subject. I welcome those. So feel free to share those. At the same time, you may also know of some other things. Like I know people rely on essential oils and uh, aromatherapy to help reduce anxiety and stress. And if you know those kinds of things work for you, those are tools in your toolbox. So go get those tools out and use them when you need it most to help reduce that stress, reduce that anxiety, and increase your peace and your calmness. Second thing that I did especially on that morning, and I've caught myself doing this throughout this crisis especially, is I just had to disengage from all the noise and the drama. That particular morning when I was feeling really overwhelmed, I had to turn off the TV and like get away from the news, the news sources and get away from the news reports and just step away from all of that. Because knowing all of the grim facts, while I completely believe in being informed, it wasn't going to change the outcome. It wasn't going to matter if I get this disease or this illness or if I don't. Knowledge, yes, is power, but it also can be debilitating. And it just was not what I needed in that moment. I needed to disengage. I actually took this last weekend and completely disengaged with my phone. I specifically left my phone in my office here at home. And when I went about picking up the house on Saturday and, and watching some movies with my family and even doing a little bit of work, I just stayed away from my phone. I didn't want to be bombarded by messages and notifications and social media stuff. I just needed to quiet the noise. And while having technology, especially at this time in life, is so amazing. And it's helpful, right? It's helpful to utilize technology to stay connected and to have conversations and to be able to bring virtual kinds of methods to our madness. But sometimes it's even better to know when to turn that off and to unplug and to disengage. And what that allowed me to do was not to put my head in the sand and forget the reality of the circumstances, but it allowed me to reframe my mindset to where I could focus in on the things that mattered most. It also allowed me to kind of have some prayer in my life again and then not be so bent on what's happening in the media, but that it was more about my own faith journey and my own relationship and my own family. Our church actually had a call to action that this past Sunday, we would have a complete day of fasting and that during that fast time, we would uh, pray about this illness that's running rampant, this pandemic and this crisis, and that we would consider maybe upping our giving that week so that our church would have more resources to help others in need. And I loved the concept that, that we were all going to do that as a community, even though we weren't going to be together, but we were all doing that in our own homes, but that it really required us to disengage, to step away from the media, step away from technology. And yes, we were also stepping away from the kitchen table and not eating, but it allowed for just all of the presence that we've been in and the push and the pull of all that's happening to kind of fall silent for that little bit of time and to allow us to reframe our thoughts and our hearts. And so disengage from the drama. The third thing is to get in a quiet space. 
I've seen so many people in the middle of all of this that are out taking walks, that are moving their bodies and getting outside. And some of that they're spending kind of by themselves. And especially right now when we're being encouraged to socially distance, finding quiet time alone is encouraged almost. And there's something about sitting with your own thoughts and your own heart and your own emotions that allows you to let some of that bubble to the surface to deal with it, to sort it out, to sit with it, and then act differently from it. I know in the hurry and scurry of life, sometimes I don't even allow myself to stop and recognize how I feel about a certain situation or a certain problem. It's just move to the next thing, move, 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 go, 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 push ahead. And I'm all for forward progress, don't get me wrong. I love change and I love new things and I love seeing progression in my goals and my dreams. But sometimes, sometimes it's really powerful to sit with your feelings, to sit with your thoughts. That's why I'm such a big believer in journaling because even in just that little space and time with pen and paper, I'm allowing myself to push all the other things outside of the brain and just focus in on me, how I feel, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, what I'm dreaming, what I'm scared of, maybe the things I'm praying for or I'm wishing to have happen, all of those emotions that go with those concepts and those statements, that, that is powerful because it allows me to tap into the guts of who I am. It allows me to connect and to revisit me. It creates stability, it creates perspective, and it creates clarity. So find some quiet time in a quiet space to kind of collect your thoughts. And again, reset that mindset. The other thing I do is I like to play worst case scenario. Now, this is a real tempting thing to do that just ends with just the worst case scenario. And we're gonna go a step beyond that. But it starts with painting a picture of the worst case scenario. What is the worst case of my fear of this thing is gonna happen or this is how things are gonna unfold? We tend to do this quote unquote game a lot when I coach women in business and they're kind of fearful of maybe stepping out into something new or taking on a new challenge. And I tell them, what's the worst case scenario? What is the worst possible thing that's going to happen here? And we paint that out in detail. We write it out. We talk it out of what that would look like. I might lose a lot of money. I might, you know, give up my job and then have to figure out how to go back to work. I might disappoint my family. I may look like a failure. Those are just some of the things that we would come up with in the scenario of launching a business. It's the worst case scenario. But the magic part to that is moving beyond that and creating then a plan to recover if that worst case scenario were to actually happen. So if the worst case scenario would be that you would lose a lot of money, the plan to recover would be, I would take on another job and I would save up that money. Or I would maybe take a second job to help, help us recover financially. All of this is to say that sometimes what we fear the most is on such a large scale. The reality of that actual fear coming to fruition is slim and none. But we've worked ourselves into a frenzy and into a lather that almost keeps us paralyzed from moving forward. And when we recognize that this is what might happen, but I have a plan that I can recover from that will allow me to put my feet back underneath me. 
all of a sudden, what seemed insurmountable looks totally doable. And even if it all fell apart, we know we can still pick ourselves up and move forward. In fact, we actually even have the plan in place. It's your plan B. And we all want surety and guarantees and to know that everything's going to work out okay. And unfortunately, life doesn't afford us that. But we can think smart and we can be proactive. And the worst case scenario game matched with your plan to recover kind of acts as that plan B option. But closely followed behind that is this tactic. And that is to write out what is true. I love the idea of writing out truths. And what I mean by that is what is true for you? Well, in a worst case scenario game, when we just painted that picture and we created a plan to cover, recover, the truth of, of it all is that I am smart. I know how to figure things out if they don't always go according to plan. I have resources to learn and to grow and to pick myself up. The truth is I've got a lot of people who are cheering me on and supporting me and providing wisdom and guidance and counsel. And when we start to write out the truths, we recognize that we have a lot of things in the win column and a lot of tools in our toolbox that we can pull out and use instead of just feeling like we are, are without options or without resources or without a plan of attack. And when we're living in a situation where we're up against something scary and bigger than we are, that brings chaos and uncertainty, knowing what is true minimizes that monster. It brings it down to our level, especially when we're facing a pandemic like we are in this moment. The truth of the matter is that the percentages maybe work in your favor. Maybe you're not a high risk person that is likely to have detrimental effects because of the illness. But there are other truths, like we have a really amazing healthcare system. While it may be flawed and it may be perfect, we have that going for us. We have friends and family who would support us and fill in the gaps if we needed to step away and be better and get healthy and recover. Even though in our house, we face some drama and some chaos because of all of this, not that any of us have been sick, knock on wood, and honest to goodness, thanks to our Heavenly Father for keeping us healthy and protected. But we have experienced the fact that my husband got laid off, and that's kind of scary and uncertain. And if you sit and only think about that, it does strike panic, because immediately we're thinking, how are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to buy groceries? How are we going to like maintain our lifestyle when this has happened? And it seems out of our control. But then I immediately go to the truth. And I know that we can revamp our budget and we can scrape by. That I can work harder in my business and maybe generate more income. The truth is, is that we have a support system that would help us if we needed something and we were going without food or without being able to pay our bills. We have family, we have friends, we have a church. We know that we'll be provided for. And then the other layer of truth comes from my personal belief system and my own faith system. And you can chalk this up to pie in the sky thinking or religion being a crutch, but I know it to be true. And that is that this particular chaos, this particular storm is not caught, my God, by surprise. In fact, so many of the news reports have pointed to, to previous illnesses and pandemics and different kinds of health-related scares and fears that have, we've already lived through. 
And we can even name some of them in our own lifetime that we've seen us already combat. So I have no doubt that history, yes, repeats itself, but the other part of history that repeats itself is that we will make it through and that we will get through. And while this doesn't mean to diminish the weight and the severity that we should all be treating this illness with, like we should definitely be following the guidelines and the protocols that are issued to us, but we also can have a hope. We also can look for the light at the end of the tunnel and we can know that we will make it through. My faith has taught me that not only that, that my God is bigger than all of this, that he is a place of refuge and a place of strength and a place of comfort, but it also promises me that even if all things fail, nothing separates me from him. And so should I find that my passing is part of this pandemic, then it means that the truth is my eternal life is with him. And that is a great part of peace that allows me to feel stronger and more at ease in the middle of this situation. I want to leave you with this little analogy that I have gone back to over and over again in my life. And it's a story about these two men who build houses. And this is a story taken from the Bible um, that Jesus actually used to teach a lesson to those who were listening. And I love this specific takeaway. So here's the story first. The story is that there's a man who builds a house on sand and there's a man who builds a house on rocks. And on the, the man who builds the house on the rocks and the man who builds the house on the sand, I like to imagine that they're near each other. They can see each other's house and they can see each other building their house. And they both build a house. There's nothing different about it except for one's on sand and one's on rock. And we go on to read in the story that floodwaters come and heavy rains drenched both of their homes. The floodwaters rose and rose and rose and rose. And eventually the floodwaters wiped the house that was built on sand. It washed it away. It wiped it out. And the house that was on the rock stood firm. And it was because the foundation that they were built on allowed for the one to withstand the rising floodwaters and the other to not. Now, there's so many parallels that you can take out of this story, and especially when we're talking about the storms of life. We know that if our firm foundation is built on truth and on God, we're more likely to withstand that than someone who builds it on fleeting passings of the world. But here's the thing I love most about the story. The person who built their house on the rock and the person that built their house on the sand, both of them experience the floodwaters. Both of them got wet. Both of them felt the rain and both of them felt the pressure of watching those uh, floodwaters rise. They both knew the water level was going up and that there could be a chance that both of their houses would get washed away. The reality is no matter what we do in life, whether it's our faith, whether it's our finances, whether it's our relationships, nothing makes us immune to the storms in life. And that doesn't mean that when we experience storms, that we aren't going to return to the things that can create a firm foundation for us, like our faith, like our preparedness. But it also means that we will get wet too. We will experience storms and we will see the rising floodwaters. And that may cause some panic in our hearts, but we do have some specific things we can do to help us weather that storm, to help us withstand the pressure of it, and to come out on the other side to see a bright sunny day. 
I hope some of these things I've given you some real tips that you can apply right now in your life. If you're facing fear and uncertainty of this pandemic and we're feeling the pressure of all that this brings, the economic crisis, the job issues, the health concerns, all of this that seems to be weighing down on us. I hope that some of these things allow for you to release a little pressure, to reduce a little anxiety and to feel a little peace in the middle of the storm. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Live Revised podcast. I hope that you found a couple of tips and tactics that you might be able to use and apply when you are facing some chaos in your life. Like I said before, we're going to have it, whether it's this crisis or the next. Life's never promised to be smooth sailing, right? We're always going to be up against something or another. And if we can figure out how to do better about it now, we'll just be that much better when the next one hits. So hopefully you got some good things out of it. And hopefully it's something you can share with a friend. You're not the only one who is feeling all the feels right now. So if there's something in here you feel like will benefit someone you know, tell them about the Live Revised podcast, share this episode with them, or give us a shout out on social media. We would love for you to tell your friends and family and your followers about us. That's it for now. And we'll catch you back here next week.